This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Tyrese Campbell and you're listening to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. As always, a very busy pod in store. We'll be breaking down the 4-2 loss to Brighton, all the transfer business and rumours that are around the club at the minute. And as always, we'll bring you some audio uh, from the Rotherham camp, also on our new signing, Kundal. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll be looking forward to three points against Rotherham this weekend. So to join me uh, on tonight's show, we have, uh, we're going to do it in reverse order, actually. Uh, Dan, you can wait. Laurie, welcome back to the pod. Cheers, Mike. Great to be back on and uh, Happy New Year. I haven't spoken to you guys since the new year, the turn. And uh, yeah, great to be back on. Looking forward to talking about, uh, did I read uh, Plymouth City or Stoke Argyle this week? <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a bit of a combo, isn't it? There's a, they must hate us right now. And I mean, I'll be honest, who can blame them? If it was all the way around, we'd be kicking and screaming as well. So uh, a lot to talk about on the Plymouth throne. But yeah, welcome back. You've almost become a regular uh, now, mate. So good to good to hear from you. And yeah, happy new year to you and the, the family as well. Uh, Mr. Buxton, I uh, name dropped you then. And of course you're here. I mean, when are you not? How's your wee bird, mate? Busy by the sounds of it. Um, standard, yes. <clears throat> All good, mate. All good. Uh, yes, enjoying, enjoying it. Looking forward to the uh, the trip to Rotherham on Saturday, and and yes, I wonder what the accent would be like, Plymouth and Stoke, mixed in. I wonder what it would sound like. Do you want? To, I mean, you're good at accents, Dan. You know, you're allowed to do not. a few. Uh, <laughs> come on, G- give us an example. Uh, no, I, I'm my uh, Plymouthonian is something I've not mastered. Unfortunately, so hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm out. I wouldn't do it either. Um, cool. Okay. Well, look, let's get straight into it. I mean, Brighton, obviously FA Cup. We've gone out for I think was it the second time running against Brighton now. I mean, look, it it's no shame really in that. We all know how good Brighton are. We knew exactly what we were going to have when they visited. We knew it was going to be probably going to be a loss unless something miraculous happened. But I think 
pretty much echoes what Schumacher's done since he walked through the door. I think we can turn around and say that, you know, a lot of effort went in. You know, it was a spirited performance at the very least. You can see they had Premier League quality. You know, I think that's obvious to see, really. And I guess it shows us just how far away we are from from the same. But, Luke, I mean, Dan, what was your kind of assessment of the game? I mean, I, I suppose to kind of kick off with, I suppose, actually before the assessment of the game, what was your assessment of the team sheets? I think it was pretty much what we went for, if I'm not mistaken, when we previewed on the last pod. Yeah, I mean, there was six changes, wasn't there? So we saw, was it Wes Wagley, yeah. Will Martiverson, Hax, Larice Johnson, I believe, were the six that came yeah. in. Uh, I do uh-huh. believe as well, interestingly, it would have been seven. Uh, but Kyron Clark was set to play instead of Rose, but he had a back spasm in training then last week. So, yeah, so uh, it would have been him in as well. Um, Is that because he sat on his backside for the last couple of matches? He's so harsh to these people. <laughs> He's done nothing else. <laughs> um, and anyways, yes, back to the stop picking on people, you naughty bully. Anyway, <laughs> Six, yeah, six changes. Uh, it was interesting, really, wasn't it? I, um, Larice, obviously, we we found out that he was 12 days from concussion. That's the protocol. Um, although he didn't last very long, I'm sure we'll get into that. Wesley, I'm getting to the point now with Wesley. I, I, I'm willing the guy to do well. I, I, you know, I think he's got effort. He does. He puts himself about a bit, as in he runs around. But someone needs to sort of shake him and just tell him he's he's six foot four and absolutely massive, because I don't think he realises. <laughs> um, he's too. He gets knocked off the ball quite easily, and I think his control. I mean, one thing you could say about, for example, Peter Crouch in the past, he was you know he was big and lanky. I know that Wesley isn't lanky, but at the same time, like his control was exceptional in comparison to Wesley. It's like you've got all the physicality and the size of a big man, but not really got some of the attributes to go with it. It's quite weird. Yeah, it, like I say, I don't, I don't. it's as if he doesn't realise what he is. Like you could be an absolute beast of a player, especially in the championship, couldn't you? Um, you know, bringing it in, old and old, bringing others into play, just literally knocking people about. And he, he just doesn't seem to understand that what he could be uh, which is a shame uh, it was nice to see Wilmot back there obviously nice to see Everson between the sticks for his debut um, Luis Haksavanovic good to see them back uh, Johnson left wing back I suppose with wing backs we didn't really have much of a choice did we I think we had to go sort of you know, with him over there it was a bit of a you know, who are we going to put on the left Um He's not been great, has he? But I think he's also been a victim, really, of circumstance as well, I think, uh, this, this season quite a lot. Yeah, there's been a lot of shifting around, a lot of moving, a lot of changing the formation, changing in personnel, changing in manager even, isn't there? So like you say, he's constantly, you know, got a different role every game, if you like. Um I do think he may find his game time less and less as time goes on under um, Stephen Schumacher, though. Yeah, no, I I agree with you totally. And, I mean, Laurie, team-wise, any big surprises for you? I mean, it was good to see Iverson uh, come in. It's a shame that he's conceded four on his debut, but 
I'd probably say that Bar won the goals. He couldn't have really done much more to keep any more out, I don't think. No, you're right. We all wanted him to come in and uh, do well, have a, have a good performance. There was there was some moments he he made some some tidy saves at times. I think his distribution was was reasonable. It possibly wouldn't you wouldn't really want to be putting him in, in into a game like that. But I suppose the manager just wanted him to get minutes and experience a home crowd. So uh, yeah, good to see him get the shirt on like uh, you expected there to be changes with with the cup and players getting minutes and and people wanting to to show the new manager what they're all about so that was that was expected um just coming back to wesley uh, at the start of uh signing him i was excited i spoke to a couple of villa fans and they said uh, yeah, you'll be getting um, a, a good, good, solid centre forward, and at that level, they expected him to score goals. Hasn't happened. Um, we've we probably play um, a system I, I feel that might not suit his attributes, and and that's not to say at all that he's uh, he is on form or anything like that. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite. But I think in order to get the best out of him. Uh, we we need to be putting a lot more balls into the box for him, and he's he's just not finding those areas, and I don't think we're finding him either. Not not the sort of player that that we want to be having with the with the system and formations that we're looking for now. Uh, it it looks like it's going to be Ryan Mai unless he can do some wheeling and dealing in the transfer window. But yeah. Um, Coming back to the the Brighton game, it kind of did what it said on the in. Uh, we out of out of nowhere, we we did come out the blocks, but then we had a random goal, uh, home goal. But they didn't panic. They played some lovely stuff. Uh, Brighton ball retention was unbelievable in in the second half. Um, really, really good to see. Um, I will I will call him out. McNally possibly had one of the worst games I've ever seen from a centre-half on the weekend. I'm not sure how you guys felt, but it it just seemed to be everything around him was going wrong and he was making awful decisions and he was part of lots of errors. I'm not a massive fan of Luke McNally. I think at the start of the season, I was thinking, oh, he's just settling in, he'll take a bit of time to settle. Um... And he, he doesn't do anything majorly like stand out wrong. I just, I think I said the other week, didn't I? I just been a bit disappointed. Like, I don't know what the fuss is about. I think he's quite steady. He'll do a job thing, but I don't think he's an elite championship defender by any stretch. Um, and he definitely, for me, probably hasn't, you know, hasn't got a future for, for Burnley, you know, if they want to be promotion slash Premier League. Um, you know, maybe. Looks like they're going to come back down. A bit of a yo-yoing for a few years. I can't see, you know, look at Harwood Bellis there last season, for example. There's no way you'd keep him out of the side. So, for me, I think in time we're going to need better than Luke McNally. Probably better than Michael Rose. Um, Go from there. I mean, I've seen some people say, I mean, we had one. Um, a couple of people have seen comments about Ben Wilmot saying that oh, we come back in the team and it all falls apart. 
I, I think that's pretty harsh considering who we were playing and how long you've been out for and that. But I think he's the best, the best central half we've got by uh, by a long stretch. I think there's somebody on Twitter who might absolutely disagree with you on that one. I am going to call that person's name out. I think you know who you are. You were very vocal <laughs> on our Twitter feed with your distaste to uh, Wilmot. If he's the worst defender at the club, then I give up right now because he is not even close to that. And I agree with you, Dan. He's been out for a, for a few months. He's playing again in a different formation than it, than, it, than it's suitable. He is one of the. I agree with you. He's one of the best defenders that we have at this club. It's as simple as that for me. I can't wait to see him. You know, I think he's. he's I think the thing is, he's a Schumacher defender. I think it's exactly what Schumacher's going to want. Now, if we can replace McNally or Rose um, in the summer, I mean, I know McNally's on loan, isn't he? If I remember rightly, feels like a long time ago. But I think either way, we need to replace Rose and McNally and get another similar caliber. Maybe if we can get a bit of a higher caliber than even Ben Wilmot, you know, and stick to that kind of back four and and hopefully keep them fit. I think that's important. I mean, I hope this isn't the start of Ben now. You know, one of them weird injuries, cladding with a post, and then it just starts off a ruck of injuries now for the next few years. The amount of players that that seems to happen to. So I hope that doesn't happen because I think if you've got Iverson, who I am convinced is going to sign permanently. I think that was always the idea from day one when we first wanted him. So I think now we've actually gone in through the door. This is a dress rehearsal for him. And I think that's a very good, solid goalkeeper to have. So if you've got then the likes of Ben Wilmot and another who can go in the centre-back partnership, then all you have to do is work on your full-back situation. So I think there's we need to start to build a core at this club. Core goalkeeper, core defender, core midfielder, which could be the likes of Berger. And then a striker, which could be Ryan May, it could be a you know somebody else. But we've there's been a lot of yo-yoing and a lot of replacements at this club, and I think it's really important. So I agree, Dan. I think Ben's going to be pivotal to this team going forward. Um, I guess would you would you bring another defender in in January, or do you think we we're going to make do? I mean, we'll go into transfers a little bit more later, but would you actually replace Rose or McNally in in January if you could? Or would you think we're going to concentrate on more important areas of the pitch, I guess? I've, I've think, had... Um, sorry, sorry, Dan, go for it. I was just going to say, I think it all depends on who's available. Um, if you can get people on a permanent or on a view, you know, on loan with a view to a permanent, then by all means, if it's going to improve you going into next season, then great. I can't see them spending too much on say a loan for the rest of this season if that doesn't then move into next year yeah I, I see that we, we, because I think we, I think what you're getting out there is we've got enough to keep us up which let's be honest you know that's what we've got to focus on now keeping up trying to improve probably on the 16th place um, and next season you know in the summer where it's probably easier to sign a defender that's probably the time that you can go and do that I guess that's what you're trying to Get out pretty much, is that right? Yeah, like you know, it, it, there's no point splashing out mega bucks on a on a marquee centre half on loan for the rest of the season when we've got enough to get by, and then come the summer when you want to build something to maybe have a promotion push or a, at least a, a tilt at the playoffs next year. That's what the aim is going to be, and you're taking it out of that budget by spending it now. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, 
Laurie, you were going to say something, mate? Yeah, um, I mean, uh, uh, during the last transfer window, when when McNally came in, I was really excited. Came on a good CV, off very good reputation, and I know I know that um, Burnley fans were were saying, "Oh, we've got an absolute beaut of a player." We haven't seen enough consistently, and and Saturday was a prime example of that. He he really does dip in and out of form, but. As a centre half, I'd uh, I'd love I'd love to see some consistency. Um, we're absolutely dying for a leader. Um, we need one. And um, what was suggested earlier by uh, I think it was Mike talking about the spine of the team. Um, we need consistency there. I think we've got that with Berger um, in in a midfield position, and obviously Pearson when he's. Uh, when he's out of the the card system and all of the the suspensions and and he's there regularly, but in terms of centre half, now I, I used to battle with with Wilmot at times. I thought he had a record in him, but but now I'm starting to to see that you know perhaps it, he's he's our number one, um, which which I might not have said uh, twelve months ago, but uh, I'm starting to to perhaps see see another side of him now where. There's um there could be a little bit of potential there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And obviously moving on to the to the goals, lads. I mean, we're not going to break down every single goal because the six of them will be here all day, right? But I think if you think about like controversial moments, if you like, which were brought up, you're not going to be surprised to see that I, I pull out the uh, the penalty in that scenario. Now, uh, there was a few people complaining about it, obviously on the Brighton side, not the Stoke side. But I mean, for me, that. <sighs> In the rules of the game now, that is a penalty because he's got his arms up. I mean, I think it's still an arms up in a natural position, if I'm honest with you. I don't think it's intentional, but in the rules of the game means it's a it's a penalty. Do you think Do you think that was a, a, a fair penalty to give? And, and good on Baker as well for you know dispatching that confidently as well. Yeah, um, fantastic finish um, for the penalty, and it's good to see. Uh, Baker stepping up and being very uh, assertive with with making the decision with that it does show it does show leadership qualities um, but you know uh, that's that's probably another discussion but coming back to the actual decision I think as you said Mike in today's market yeah it's a penalty because because you could argue arms in an unnatural position but then um, all of the the forwards and the defenders will be saying, "Well, what am I supposed to do with my arms? Then do I do I have to have them by by my sides to avoid the ball deflecting off of them?" So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I'm a Brighton fan, I, I would be cross with that, but it, it's the right decision. It. I mean, I've literally got it in front of me right now on on my phone, and as the ball is about to touch McNally's head. Their defender has jumped. He's got his arms by his pretty much like mid height by his sides. Nothing there. It's nothing more than McNally heading the ball down, and that player's momentum has taken the, his arms above his head. It's absolutely not intentional. But look, we we'd be calling for it. Of course, we got it. Um, Brighton would be calling for it if it was them. Any team would. So, as the rules go, yes, it's a penalty. Um, but. I think you wouldn't have got that a couple of years ago, if I'm honest. I think that would have been ball to hand. But um, but yeah, so 
Either way, I mean, again, as I said, Baker, we needed to know who our penalty taker was going to be. And that, that I think we all know that he's going to be the number one for that. I think one player probably got a call out from the Brighton side is Pedro. You can just see his quality. I mean, you understand why he's too good for this league, don't you? An absolute star for Watford as well when he was when he was a couple of years younger. So, uh, And then he got his premiership chance and... He's looked good. Uh, very dynamic player. Very direct. Very, very skillful. Agile. He's he's got a lot of ingredients. Um, yeah, solid player. The difference, Dan, between Championship and Premier League, quite frankly, in it. Yeah, very much. Um, I was actually I think the midfield battle was really intriguing because I thought out, out of the players that you know, the defense obviously conceded four goals, did the best they could, but. You know, didn't have the best day at the office. Um, although, I, I mean, one person who I thought did, did actually have a decent game, and I think he got quite a few votes in our man of the match, was Hoover, which would have been a worry going into the game, let's be honest, how he would have coped. I think he did He did all right there. Kiana, watch. We've got to be on Kiana watching now, haven't we? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I submit that that one where he's running back for their for their fourth goal. I couldn't actually believe the guy was sprinting. I was in shock <laughs> watching the highlights back. I was like, "That's not Keone." Absolute same. <laughs> um, so we got obviously we got that, and I think, like, say the midfield because I thought our midfield, the three of them actually were probably our three best players: Berger, Baker, and uh, John L. And obviously, um, Brian's midfield, obviously, you know, that's their sort of injury and their quality uh, comes from there. And, you know, they, they create a lot of chances. And I thought it was a really good matchup. And I thought, you know, they didn't look overawed at all. And all three of them in the Stokes side played well. But at the same time, Brighton's players still managed to play well as well. Um, obviously, you know, you've got Gross in there who's scoring and setting goals for fun. Gil Moore, who's a, you know, a fantastic little player, and he's he's coming into his own now, isn't he, on this he's sort of move away from Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I thought Berger, he in particular showed that he's not out of place against a top Premier League side there. Um, he, yeah, I think we definitely need to enjoy him while he's here. Um, what did you guys think of Liam McCarron's little run out? Obviously, it's his Stoke debut. It's been 18 months in the making. I thought he did all right, to be honest. I, he, to put it this way, he's, he didn't look overawed or he didn't look lost. I'm not saying he was fantastic or anything, but you know, he, he, he didn't look out of place, shall I say, and worthy of a... You know, if someone said to me he was going to be playing left-back when we next time we're really short, I'd, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, we're bringing Liam McCarron in. I bet he couldn't believe his luck when he got that phone call. I mean, I, I think most Stoke fans, mate, had forgot the guy even existed. Well, so yeah, I, didn't we? I, oh, no. we did. Yeah, 100%. We I didn't even that. consider him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so oh, I, 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 I think that. we could do worse, right? So we've we've obviously got Stevens. I don't know what the hell he, he's gone. He's gone from a short-term injury to never being seen again. I have uh, updates on injuries. So I shall give oh. you that later on. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so yeah, in theory, if he's out, then yeah, why not give give him a, give him a chance while juniors um, at the Afcon. Why not? It, what harm can it do? Where you know we're coming up against Rotherham next, with, which, with all due respect, is is not someone we should be overly concerned about. We're not not like we're facing another. 
Brighton caliber or whatever, whatever like that. So could we do any worse? He's at least natural. I think a bit more natural on that side. I always worried when I saw him where he looked a, he looked very lightweight. But yeah, by and large, look, I guess for someone who's come out of the cold and is probably barely trained with the first team, really, I can't say I've really seen much of him on the training videos. So well done to the lad, but this is his chance now. He needs to come in and have a blinder for the next few games. Yeah, it's a it's a good point, and in the circumstances of the game as well, the game was, I, I thought in in terms of it, just performance wise, it, it was very far away from us. So bringing him in in that circumstance in the second half wasn't wasn't a negative thing at all. Um, give him some minutes, see how he does. I, I agree with you. Might look quite lightweight, look like a typical under twenty threes player. If I'm if I'm being honest, but um, you only get experience from from being out out on the pitch and in the middle and and in front of the lights and the fans. So um, if if there's facility to do that, do it. Um, we've we've got a bit of a a problem at left back that needs that needs fulfilling and sorting out. So in the meantime, yeah, somebody's going to have to fill that void and uh, I'm sure he'll be one in one in minutes, but up to the manager, really. Could save us a lot of money in the long term if he comes good. Because like I say, he's been, he's been at Leeds and that, so he's you know, he, he's played games for Leeds. He, he's, there's obviously a player in there somewhere, isn't there? We've just got to unlock it, find the key to unlock the talents that he's got. Um, I think one thing that did disappoint me slightly, and I was quite, I'm, yeah, I'm really positive about this game. I know we lost, conceded goals, but like you said at the beginning, man, no shame whatsoever losing to Brighton. For me, the one shame I would say is losing to two headers. Now, if Brighton passed the ball and pass, 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 cut you wide open and score, you go, well, you hold your hands up and say, they're just that good a team. They can do that to anybody. But I think if they throw two balls in the box and they both, they were, you know, good deliveries, don't get me wrong, you know, picked them out, but dunk back stick header and then... Um, Great finish from Michel Pedro once it for the for the uh, third goal, and you just think, oh, you know, could we have defended balls into the box better, and you know, cleared cleared those away? Is is it harsh to say that with the you know, the quality of the delivery and obviously the the good finishes that they were? But I mean, yeah, the, you just think I'll... it was just. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, as much as I praise Wilmot, I think he does make a mistake for that. Um, I can't remember if it's the first header now. The goals have all merged into my mind. But that that first cross and the, the header at the back post, I think he kind of gets lost between do I go on my line or do I come out to my man? And he kind of ends up in the middle of nowhere. I think, again, that's a bit of rustiness for me. So as much as I, I really rate the guy, I think he could have definitely done himself better personally on that one. Do you think physically as well, Stoke are up to par? Personally, I, I think that we're a bit of an easy touch uh, from a set piece. Hope. We have been conceding set piece goals this season and uh, a high ball into the box against uh, the current Stoke City team is not a bad ball to play. 
Um, well, th- I mean, this was the problem with Alex Neal, wasn't it? it th- this this problem, Laurie, goes back to Alex. And let's be honest as well, Schumacher's had no time to deal with this stuff at all, has he, over this Christmas period? He's probably had a couple of days where they've they've just been about getting in shape in terms of rest and maybe just you know, look at working on one or two things before then having to travel down to God knows where to, to play a you know to play a Christmas game and stuff. So I I'm gonna put none of that at the fault of, of Schumacher and I'm sure you won't either. But how many how many times have we said that this season? You spot on it's been every time you get a corner you just you just dread it because you know exactly what's gonna probably happen from it. And unfortunately the other end we don't really score many either. So yeah, it's something we definitely need to work on. And I think fitness, we absolutely need to work on as well. I know every club gets injuries, but we seem to just be riddled with them season after season. I don't know what Shuey's pre-season's like, but I just hope it's I hope it's thorough and I hope he runs them up a bloody hill. I think we're a nice team, aren't we? Uh, other than Pearson, really, we're, we're quite a kind team. And I think that plays a part when when you're defending set pieces, and when you need to get hold of players and uh, and keep them touch tight. I don't I don't think uh, Stoke are that type of team at the moment. And uh, you've you've so rightfully said that's not a Schumacher issue. That's that's a Neil issue uh, from from the previous tenure. So it does need addressing because if not, um, those that sort of issue is going to going to keep on turning its head. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Um, so some stats, actually, I thought were quite interesting from, from the game uh, as well, by the way. So we had eight shots to Brighton's 15. And importantly, we had five shots out of the eight on target. Now, that was one of the main ones that I took out of that, which actually was a better ratio than than Brighton's. I think in previous games, you know, we wouldn't have come anywhere close to having five on target to to our eight normally. I think that's been one of our Achilles' heels for a good portion of the season, which is probably why in some games we've, you know, especially at home, you know, sometimes we've barely registered a shot on target, or it's been one measly effort. So I think it's really good to at least see that type of creativity and. I think at the same time, look at possession stats. It's exactly what we predicted last week. 70% possession to to have a 30. I mean, you you could feel that, right? (laughs) That was no shock. And you could see 741 passes to our 322, rather. So there was a considerable difference. And that's just where the quality comes through for me. But I just thought it'd be, it's interesting to see that we're actually got a few more on target uh, than, than we normally do. And I'll have to... Do a bit more analysis since Schumacher's come in and see if we've actually increased our ratios and stuff. But either way for me, Luke, it was a really positive um, performance despite, again, an expected defeat. It's a shame that Brighton keep knocking us out. I don't want them again next season. Thank you very much. Um, I guess, Dan, just I don't know if you're welcome to give any more thoughts. Maybe I'm just keen to hear who you thought uh, was was your man of the match before we get the uh, the poll results. Um, as I mentioned, it does have to come from the midfield three. And for me, Berger, again, <laughs> yet again, in recent times, he was the, you know, our best outlet, our best player. Um, like I say, it wouldn't surprise me if he caught um, the Zerby's eyes in that match, because I think he is actually the kind of player that would fit right in at Brighton. 25 million, you can have him. Yep, and then they can sell him on to Liverpool for 100 and we'll have a nice sell-on fee. 
Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Laurie, who was your man of the match? Yeah, rinse and repeat Berger again. Uh, we keep on saying this. He's um, he's fit. He's fitting the bill really well in the Schumacher team. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I was I was quite surprised watching a Schumacher team. They're quite uh, dynamic and move the ball up the field very quickly. And I was like, is Berger going to fit into this system? I was. I've been so surprised, but I I did like Berger, and uh, and I do now. He's he's a very solid player, keeps things very simple. Uh, Dan mentioned uh, to you the uh, did he say something with regards to making a link to Nzonzi? He wasn't saying that he was Nzonzi, but um, similarities, and and that's not that's not a problem at all. I don't have a problem with that opinion. There's there is similarities there with uh, how he's very calm on the ball, and all of our fans love that. Yeah, hopefully he keeps it up because um, I think I, I think we need to try and get through the summer without losing him. Uh, I do wonder what his his value is right now, but uh, let's not worry about that, shall we? <laughs> Dan, who was the actual overall man of the match from the poll results, anyway? Well. Third place was Lewis Baker with 12% of the vote. Second was John Ho with 24% of the vote. And as you can probably guess and gather, Wouter Berger, 47% of the vote. Uh, yeah, another class display. Yeah, he's, uh, he's there. And player of the season standings. Well, fifth place is Pearson, 209. Fourth, McNally, 211. Third is Larice 212. Second is Gooch, 255. And with a now record, nine man of the matches, more than anyone's ever got in a season during our polls, and this is the third year we've done them, uh, Wouterberger, 414 points. So he already has a 159-point lead over Gooch. <laughs> wow, good luck making that up, anybody. Jesus. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's well deserved. He's thriving, isn't he? Uh, hopefully, it carries on uh, throughout the rest of the season. And yeah, we we want to go into the summer with a, a positive, uh, you know, key player, someone we can just know is one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, Look, any, any other points you guys want to make before we move on to some of the the transfer news and, and news in general? Uh, no, I thought just one thing on the attendance: seventeen thousand and thirty-two. Not bad at all. 4,000 Brighton fans, 13,000 Stoke fans. Um, what was interesting was actually, okay, so um, you know Brighton, uh, obviously they're in Europe and all this, like this, so away tickets and tickets for games are going to be hard to come by. Now, I believe that where when it comes to collecting points, because obviously you think, are they going to have people buying tickets for these games like Stoke and then not attending just so they can get the points? Well, the ticket has to be scanned at the gate. Ah, okay. So they don't get the point if they don't attend. What what did happen is um, I can tell you that what I do know happened is from my from a source of mine is somebody turned up to one of the away turnstiles with sixteen tickets on his own and said, "Can you scan all of these, please?" What? Blimey. <laughs> um, they were like, uh, "No." <laughs> wow so he really must have got them as freebies he's not no, brought so, them no, no so way. they weren't his 
I imagine all his mates had brought them and then give them to him to get scammed at the tech, at the turnstile so they could collect their points. Not in uh, a raffle. <laughs> I am. Oh, well, that's interesting. See, you don't get this type of stuff on any other podcast, do you? <laughs> you, don't get, you don't get this insight ticket analysis. <laughs> We've got too um, many people in the know. That's that. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, just you wait till we get to the transfer bit, uh, Laurie. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Well, I think we're good for Brighton. Um, let's move on to the news and also specifically as well some transfer news. So, windows open. Uh, Iverson, obviously, as we know, uh, joined us as well. But, um, Mr. Buxton, before we kind of go into an absolute uh, rock of no doubt rumours and things that things have obviously been heard, uh, we've signed a, a Mr. Luke Cundall, haven't we, from from Plymouth, our arch nemesis. Uh, what did you What did you think of the signing? Was it? I mean, we heard rumours and stuff like that, but do you think he's got a, a really good chance of making it in this team? And I guess where does he make it in this team? Well. Um, it appears that he is an attacking midfielder, uh, and it's interestingly that he set the goal up, the winning goal, when Plymouth beat us in December. He was the one who assisted that 97th minute goal. Um, so, yes, he, um, yeah, he, he's apparently a little player, five foot seven. I'll read you what I've got on him. So he is 21 years old, five foot seven, an attacking centre midfielder. Uh, we've signed him on loan from Wolves. Obviously, he has been at Plymouth the start of this season. Uh, but yeah, he's made seven appearances for Wolves, four in the Premier League, three in the Cups. And made his debut as a 17-year-old in 2019. Uh, he had a loan spell at Swansea last season, 32 appearances, three goals. And then this, the first half of this season, he had a loan spell at Plymouth, 24 appearances, three goals. Obviously, under Stephen Schumacher. Uh, he's been recalled to come to Stoke. Now, there are reports that the reason that is that we're paying more of his wages and there is a £1.5 million fee available to Stoke in the summer should we wish to sign him full-time. Uh, he's captain Wolves, interestingly, through every youth team right up to under-23s. Um, so, obviously, he's got a high reputation. We were within Wolves and, obviously, there, so, you know, youth ranks there. He's obviously been trusted to, to skip a numerous sides. Uh, his contract with Wolves does run until June 26. He signed a four-year deal in 2022. Um, yeah, as as in, I think you play. I think you will see maybe Berger, who's stacked deeper in recent weeks. And he seems to be really sort of taking this role in front of the defence, you know, where Pearson was previously. And then I think at the minute you've got. Um, you will have John Howe, Cundall and Baker looking for the two positions in front of him. That's, yeah, I've heard, I've heard he's a, he likes to spray the ball around, doesn't he? A lot of like cutting passes and stuff like that. I, I definitely think we need to see him bulk up a little bit. And I think we've got some audio uh, we'll play in a minute. But I think that's one of the main things that he's been hit with in terms of his feedback is that, you know, look, he's, I think he's doing well. I think from the, I think it's what, five goals and four assists for Plymouth. So, you know, he's he's obviously an attacking player. He's someone who knows where the net is and likes to, to obviously, again, give 
balls on a plate to all the people, but I definitely think to be a successful midfielder in this division, you do need an element of physicality. He does look, we talked about Liam McCarron, looking a bit lightweight. I think this guy looks a little bit the same as well. Now, it doesn't mean he can't make it. You know, we've seen how good Bojan and people like that were. You know, they, they weren't physical players. So, you know, you, you, I appreciate it's on a different level, but, the, you know, the, the premise still still exists. So I think for me, he needs to he needs to definitely bulk up. But obviously that means at the same time, Dan, that someone's got to go out. Now, now Laurie, people going out, say, say they're going to replace them. Pearson, Johnson and Baker, interestingly, have all been linked with going out because, again, we can only have so many centre midfielders. Are you surprised, Benny, by any of that? For, for me, I think Pearson going would be a mistake. Now, I'm not saying he's the best midfielder in the world, but as far as you know, defensive midfielders go, there are far, far worse in this division. I think getting rid of him completely would be a mistake. Thompson's had a good season, but still, Ben Pearson, for me, is still better than Thompson. So are you a bit surprised that those three people have been late, Laurie? Yeah, and it was it's an interesting one because on our Southern Stoke City WhatsApp group, we've been talking about it in depth and all of the fans have said the same thing. Um, by any means necessary, we keep Baker and we keep Pearson. If Johnson goes, uh, I think fans will swallow that one. They'll, they'll cope. But I think Baker's come back. He's hungry. He seems to have leadership qualities. Pearson's... Um, uh, always a solid uh, selection for me. Uh, I think most fans are pretty happy with him. Um, so, yeah, uh, Johnson for me wouldn't be a problem. I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. But the other two, absolutely. New lad coming in, though. Uh, 11 goal involvements this year, apparently. Busy, looks to keep tempo very high. Um, Schumacher knows him well, fits into his system. A little bit worried about his physicality, but I, I can see him playing um, probably in front of sort of um, Jin Ho, possibly uh, makes way in order for him to get some minutes and see see if Kundal can can come in and perhaps have an instant impact. Uh, but but yeah. Um, Johnson, not a problem for me if he goes. Same question to you, Dan, I, I guess. Are you surprised by those three names being linked? I mean, I know we've got to get rid of a couple, but I wouldn't have put those three necessarily at the hot, top of that hit list. Yeah, out of the three, I'd say if I, if I could only keep one out of the three, I'd like to keep Baker, to be honest. Uh, I do, I, you know, yeah. I love Pearson. I think, you, you know, we... I was sort of campaigning for years, you know, since we got relegated, really. And you, know, you saw him play for Prestes. That's exactly the kind of player we need. But then the way that Stephen Schumacher wants to play, I'm not sure that plays into Ben Pearson's best attributes. So out of the three of them, I think probably most suited to a Schumacher team is probably Baker. And the one who could really, you know, kick on again and, and reproduce his best form would probably be Baker. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, we've seen how good Baker can be. He just needed, I don't know what he needed, if I'm honest. He, he went off the boil, didn't he? And I think, yeah, the, the the potential that that guy has, I think it would be a shame uh, to lose him now. So I agree with both of you. Like, Johnson wouldn't be missed. But I, I'd, I'd definitely need to keep the other two. I think part of it may just be paper talk. 
maybe we're seeing who they, you know, we might be able to raise some funds for. Maybe that's what it's more about than anything else. But um, yeah, so there's there's been a couple of uh, a couple more rumours uh, as well, chaps. So Fraser uh, Fletcher of Team Talk said that Stoke are looking to bring in a left back and a winger. That's not really any surprise. It's exactly what we expect. Now Peterborough winger uh, Poku Schumacher wanted him while he was at Plymouth. And uh, very much the the eyes are still on him. If anything, it's probably easier for Stoke to sign him than it would have been for him at Plymouth. Do you, have you either of you boys? I mean, I've heard I've heard of him. I've I've heard he's meant to be pretty tasty, but I can't say I've ever seen him play. Have either of you guys seen him play before? Was that was that me and Dan just rushing on to Flashcore to Google uh, to write in his name to see all of his stats and everything like that? Because I know I did. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Because he was scratching the door trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> no problems, mate. It's fine. Have you? Uh, well, my question was: Have you seen uh, Paku play before? Heard, heard much about? I him? have not. I have not. No. All, all I'd seen is that he was he was down there as like a, as a tricky winger, an exciting tricky winger. Is the bits that I'd heard that that was literally it. Um, but I think like all of us, we we don't know an awful lot about him. I mean, not no, it's not like all of us watch Peter Brian United, is it? Let's be honest. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that one materializes. Uh, I don't know what it's going to cost, but I believe he's in their first team quite a lot, so he's not going to be a, you know, he's not going to be free. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll soon see. But yeah, I think look, there's there's other rumors. If we get anything, we'll put we'll post bits out. We're not a rumor mill. We don't like to do. It. We'll leave that to the other pages. But uh, yeah, I think interestingly we've got Kundal. So let's hear a bit more about him from somebody who's actually watched him play. What sort of player? can fans expect in Luke Cundall um, he's a creative midfielder he's not exceptionally dynamic but he's very elegant on the ball he's brilliant at receiving the ball on the half turn um, he can, he looks after the ball very well he controls the ball very well very secure in his passing um, he, he, he can move with the ball carry the ball well but he's not the sort of player to to go past people he's not got exceptional speed or strength to to muscle people out of the way but he's very clever like I say his passing is very good so more of a one-two sort of player attacking midfielder than a than someone who'll burst into the box um, but that said he is capable of scoring and assisting he's got three goals and five assists in the, the league this season and even though he's um, made 25 appearances, only 13 of those have been starts. So um, those are pretty good figures, even though he's playing in an attacking team, which will you know, get the best out of and flatter to a certain extent its attacking players. Uh, he's definitely been one of our more productive players in the first half of the season. Uh, but the fact that he's only sort of made 13 starts does indicate one of the problems that he has, which is his size and his physicality. Although that has improved quite a lot during the season. He went from being very lightweight and just not suitable for certain matchups, certain games to to really being able to uh, to, to to do a job defensively. Um, in fact, he risked at least on one occasion a red card for a, a scythe-in challenge and was lucky to get away with it. So that's definitely improved during the course of the season. So he can uh, probably um, have a role in uh, more frequently in games rather than being sort of reserved for for games where you don't need that, that um, physical presence in the middle. Um, most importantly for Stoke, I suggest, is the fact that he's 
Um, he's liked by the manager. He's, he knows the philosophy of the manager. So he's going to be able to come in instantly and, and put those ideas into place. He's, he's learned them for a lot longer than the rest of the squad. And that will give a, an immediate benefit to to everybody else. Um, so I think that the the benefit is going to be much bigger than just the skill set that he brings. Um, you know, who scored rank him as the 13th best player in the in the Argyle squad this season, which feels a bit harsh to me. Um, foot mob, which tends to, from my opinion, uh, rank attacking output a little bit too highly, ranks him as seventh best player in our squad this season, which is probably a little bit closer to uh, to what I where I'd put him. So it's not like he's um, been as integral as some of the other players in the team. Certainly not um, as Az, who who has gone um, and will be much more difficult to replace. Which isn't to say that Kundal hasn't been a, you know, a real asset. Uh, I think the the biggest benefit for for Stoke is going to be the fact that he's going to be able to, to 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 bring other players into play in the way that that Schumacher wants them to play and really tie tie things together in the middle of the pitch. So he should prove to be a really, really successful signing for you um, and, and be able to make the transition to Schumacher's style of play much easier and much quicker. I do have one room before you, by the way, if you're interested. Oh, go on then, Dan. Give, 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 give us the rumour. Go on, give us the rumour. De- come for a decent source as well. Somebody you a d- wouldn't a know. A decent HP source, go on. Yeah. Uh, Reese Walters. Who? Midfielder for the Vale. 18, eight, 18 <laughs> years old. Yes, he He's played 14 games from this season. Um, quite a few Vale fans have told me, not just one or two. Uh, but including the guy who's um, he's in with the Shanna fans as well. So Stoke are very, very keen on him. Mm-hmm, interesting. Not many players go from uh, Vale to Stoke these days. Well, so. Obviously, we had, we had that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, they're, they're in... They're in a bit of financial dire straits, Port Vale are. Uh, so mm-hmm. won't cost an awful lot, I don't think, to get him out. You reckon, if that's the case. You reckon half a million? Yeah, we're getting we're game cheaper than that. I, I, yeah, from from the bits that I've been told, Vale are in a really, really bad way. Um, they to a point where they may not have the same manager still. If it wasn't for the financial constraints, basically, is what I was told uh, two or three weeks ago. So uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, but either way, yeah, Luke, thanks for the the, the audio uh, from Plymouth. We do appreciate it. Again, we'll get to see him firsthand before we went off on a tangent. But um, yeah, so I think that pretty much does it for the uh, the transfer news. We'll keep you up to date. I mean, we've still got a little bit of time left in the window yet. Uh, just before we go into the Rotherham then, Dan, so a little bit of news, I think, on the youth, youth side of things and also some... Uh, well, the accounts, we're, we're out from Bet365, mate. So do you want to just fill everybody in? Yeah, so just a bit, a bit of news coming through. So under 18, last week they lost 3-1 at Manchester City on their return to action. Ali Hayden, the young Iraqi striker, scored. But 17-year-old Matt Warhurst, he scored a hat-trick for Man City. So maybe he's the next Liam Delap off the uh, production line over at the Etihad. So, yeah, that won the game for Manchester City. And this week, it doesn't really get much easier. We travel away to Liverpool. <laughs> so, an 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. That's at Liverpool's Academy. The under-21s, though, they have had a bit of an upturn in form recently. So, last week, they returned 
in starting their 2024 with a 4-2 home win against Norwich. Goals were Nathan Lowe, Jack Griffiths, Emre Tezgal and Kalo Redding. So four attackers all getting on the score sheet to start the year. And it was the fourth win in a row for the under-21s. So, yeah, they're up to 14th in the table now. Now, the top 16 go into the later stages of the competition. And they're actually, in the league, Stoke are actually above Manchester City, Everton, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Leeds and Chelsea amongst some other clubs as well. So there's some real big hitters there with some real big sort of academy and youth sides. And uh, yeah, I think we should be very proud to be above those, to be honest. Uh, This week, they face Manchester City at home, Monday the 15th, 7pm kickoff. That's at St. George's Park, that match. Uh, The women, they also returned to action last week. They had 2-1 defeat away at Huddersfield. So Logan scored yet again. She equalised in the first half. But yeah, Huddersfield netted in the 73rd minute to win the game. Um, It's only their second win all season as well, Huddersfield. So that's disappointing. Slightly disappointing return to action for Stoke. They may be probably hoping to get three points there. Uh, They don't have any game this week. I think they were due to play Fylde, then they were due to play Newcastle. But both are in cup action um, so, yeah, so no games for the women this week. So, yes, you were saying about the accounts, Mike. So, yes, so Bet365 have released their sort of financial accounts up to the end of March, so sort of like you know, the accounting year. And it shows that the Stoke City, because obviously we are part of the 365 accounts, uh, we made a loss of £12.4 million in the year up to the end of March 2023. Uh, it was 55 million in 2021 and 26 million in 2022. Now it's coming the right way, or it is down slightly to the suitor sale, 15 million pounds, um, why it's as low as it is. Uh, but yeah, the, the more detailed club accounts will be released in due course. So yeah, when we'll uh, we'll delve into them a little bit more when they do you when they sort of get released. Um, interestingly, we've had two two extant names have done podcasts, sort of going through their sort of careers and in football and stuff this week, and both sort of interesting results from them. So Gary Rowett did one with the Second Tier podcast, and Ginelli Mbula did one with the Club of Five pod. Um, so yeah, they both sort of spoke about the times at Stoke as well as you know other things as well. Um, so yeah, worth maybe if you want to check out sort of those pods, or even just sort of get a clip. Maybe I'm sure you'll find them somewhere about what they've actually said. I believe um, Stoke. Ne- neither of them really were were really against the club. Actually, they weren't slating his left round centre. I think Rowett said that he he would have rather have stayed, but he also acknowledged in the same breath that uh, so I stayed at Derby. Um, but at the same breath, said, "Well, look, that that's with hindsight. It, you know, he, he made the right decision for him in that moment. So I'd say him and Mbula, they didn't come out and start slagging the club off. You know, it was still relatively respectful. But yeah, I haven't heard all those interviews, Dan. But I do mm, intend I to. Mbula maybe felt a bit aggrieved with how he was treated by Mark Hughes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as the club itself, there wasn't too much. Um. You know, like I say, bad stuff said. Uh, now the groundsman Andy Jackson, he's been he was recently summoned to Saudi Arabia. You know, 
So uh, FIFA asked him to prepare the pitches for the Club World Cup in December. Um, it's the third time he's done FIFA events. So he did the Under-20 World Cup in Argentina and he also did the World Cup in Qatar. So yeah, we, uh, if, if there's one thing that's elite and well-respected in this club, it seems to be Andy Jackson, the groundsman. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's great at, at, at uh, doing the grass, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's a grass uh, expert. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, well done to you, Andy. That's, that's, Nobody uh, tan smoking it. <laughs> I was going to say, some, some going that is, isn't it? Um, yes. Any any other business just around this off a bit of fun. Uh, Port Vale mentioned them. They drew three three with Charlton last weekend. Uh, one of Charlton's goal scorers was a certain striker. Do you know what his name was? Ooh. It's not Louis Malt, was it? It was Tyrese Campbell. Oh, of course, Tyrese Campbell, yes. But spelled T-Y-R-E-C-E. Um, yeah, so Tyrese Campbell from the Charlton scored against the Vale. Uh, his, his middle name's actually Anthony Tupac Shakur. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, Christ. Poor bloody kid. So I swear, imagine your parents doing that to you. I wonder what kind of music his mum and dad listen to. <laughs> A bit of prodigy, but it sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, that's that's all I have. Now we can get into Rotherham. Yeah, sound. Thanks for the update, mate. Yeah, like I said, uh, we'll update you on some of the Stoke accounts. We'll try and get uh, the Stoke accounts broken down for you a little bit by uh, you know a voice that you'll know quite well. He is constantly busy and constantly wanted by various different areas of the media team. But we'll do our best for you, uh, Mr. Kerry Maguire, obviously. So, uh, yeah, Luke, we appreciate uh, you running through that, mate. So what we'll do now, we'll go through and have a look at Rotherham. Uh, really important, hopefully, three points at the weekend. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So the Chaps up against Rotherham on Saturday. A team obviously languishing towards the bottom of the league. Re- I mean, I know both sides kind of need three points, probably them more than us uh, to a certain extent. But I think it's going to make for a good game, this one. I really do. I mean, I'm not going to give you any formal predictions, but when obviously we've already played them twice this season, haven't we? I think we've, what, scored 10, conceded two. So I don't think that has much of a bearing on the weekend's game, if I'm honest with you. I think one thing for me is that Rotherham are a much stronger side at home. I think they've had one or two little scalps at home anyway. So I think it's not going to be an easy game. I do think we'll probably come out on top of it, but they're definitely a stronger unit at home. And and Laurie, I mean, what's, what's your thoughts going into Rotherham? I mean, I guess it is a game, you know, Schumacher's desperately going to want to get his, his you know, his first proper win um, under his belt, isn't he? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, to build on the the, the win against Birmingham, it, it, I hate playing bottom of the league. It, it's a banana skin. It's always, it, they're never pretty games. And um, they've run into a little bit of form recently or, or somewhat could be argued form with two draws and a win. Um, in their last three league games. I think they lost it the weekend against Fulham, but I mean, that probably wasn't uh, unexpected. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, it it, it could provide issues for us, but you'd you'd like to think that Stoke will go there on the front foot and want to dominate the game. But yeah, uh, who knows? Um, Do either of you know the last time that Stoke won? against Rotherham away. I mean, if anyone knows, it's going to be uh, Mr. Buxton, I imagine. You got a date for me? Not a date, but a year. What, the last time that Stoke won at Rotherham? Yep. 1993. Is correct. Yeah. He's done his research, Annie. <laughs> and they've only had one win at Rotherham since 1962. <laughs> oh, go. my goodness. Is this going to be a board draw or what? Well, the last four visits to Rotherham have all been draws, but not board draws. They've been 1-1, they've been 2-2, 3-3, 2-2 and 1-1. Go on then, Dan, hit us with the rest of the stats. Okay. Okay, then, if you want to carry on where I've started. Carry on. 51 times versus Rotherham, 21 wins, 16 draws, 14 defeats. At Rotherham, 24 wins, uh, 24 games, six, lack of 24 wins, 24 games, 6 wins, 12 draws, and 6 defeats. So, yes, half the matches at Rotherham have been draws. Um, Schumacher versus Rotherham played 2-1-1, lost one uh, his last game at Plymouth was a 3-2 comeback win versus Rotherham and that in fact was Liam Richardson's first game as Rotherham manager so yeah, the Schumacher versus Richardson played 2-1-1, drew one which was the aforementioned game uh, in December and also a home draw uh, at Wigan in April 22 uh, Richardson versus Stoke. He's played. He's yeah. Richardson versus Stoke. He's managed against us twice and lost on both occasions. Both with Wigan in 2022, no goals scored. Stoke's away form has them 17th in the away table, 13 points. We are on our longest unbeaten away run of the season, though three games. Uh, Rotherham's home form has them 20th in the home table with 15 points but yet this season they are unbeaten at home versus Leeds and Middlesbrough at Sunderland and Ipswich so yeah they have got some decent results at home last five matches Stoke have 7 points to sit 10th in the form table or Rotherham have 5 to sit 18th um, both sides are on their longest unbeaten run of the season in the league so Stoke are 6 unbeaten in the league or Rotherham are 3 unbeaten Rotherham averaged less possession than anyone else in the league, 34.8%. Stoke averaged 50.9% and are 12th in that table. Now, this is going to this is going to seem like I'm bullying them. I'll be honest, but these are Rotherham's stats. Rotherham are the lowest in the Championship for XG, 17.7, which is four 
XG off the Emu 23rd. They have the least progressive carries, 263, which is 70 off the team who are next worst. They have the least progressive passes, 496, which is a massive 232 away from the next lowest. They are, whilst they also have conceded the most goals, 50. They've conceded the most shots on target, 158. Their keeper has made the most saves, 108, which is 17 more than anyone else. And they have the least clean sheets, just three. They've launched more goal kicks, 834, which is 259 more than any other team, as well as having the least amount of shots, 200, 42 less than the next worst, and having the least shots on target, 59, which is 17 worse than the ne- less than the next worst in the whole league. They've attempted and completed less passes than anyone else in the league. They've completed a thou- they've had 8,400 passes, which is over 1,000 less than the next least amount. They're also 3,200 completed, which is 1,200 worse than the next. They have the worst percentage passing in the league. They've only completed nine through balls all season and have the least amount of corners, 91, 16 less than the next team. A positive, though, out of all this, <laughs> yeah, they've also had the least amount of corners, 91, which is 16 less than the next, which is a positive for us, given our love for conceding from corners. Um, well, we, like, we actually conceded a, a corner against them earlier in the season, didn't we? We did. So, yeah, that's one of the very few corners they've actually got this season. <laughs> um, don't expect people to be taking others on, by the way. So Rotherham, 340, and Stoke, 352, are the two teams with the least amount of dribbles in the league this year. So, yeah, we neither side likes to take people on. Um, so, yes, after that damning indictment of Rotherham's season so far, we now move on to the ref. Keith Stroud, 17 games this season, 90 yellows, one red, two penalties. 11 home wins, 3 draws, 3 away wins. He's ref stoke on 9 occasions, given us 20 yellows, no reds. 0 penalties involved, 2 wins, 3 draws, 4 defeats. Uh, so he refed us last season in the 2-0 away game at Millwall, 3-1 away loss at Norwich, and the 1-0 home loss to Burnley. He's ref rather on 13 occasions, 30 yellows, 1 red, 1 penalty for them. They have five wins, one draw, seven defeats. He last refed them in a 1-0 home win against Middlesbrough in May of last year. Interestingly enough, in 2005, he refed the conference playoff final, which Shrewsbury beat Aldershot in a match played at the then Britannia Stadium. That's where the conference final was that year. Um, on this day, Saturday the 13th of January 1996, happy times these were, Simon Sturridge scored as we beat Leicester 1-0 to move above them into the fourth in the league, which is where we would finish in May. Leicester would also finish fifth, but they would then knock us out of the playoffs 1-0 on aggregate. Uh, 13th of January, it was also Glen Wheel's 40th birthday. So, yes, it's uh, match day will be his birthday. Um, one last thing I am going to leave you with before we get into the profile. Do you know the last time that Stephen Schumacher won an away game? Saturday, 3 o'clock. Go on. Yes, I do. 
Go on. It was against their team. It was against Rotherham 3-2 for Plymouth. I know that was at home. I stand corrected. <laughs> the last time he won three o'clock on a Saturday away from home was the 15th of October 2022 when Plymouth won 4-1 at Milton Keynes. So a whole well, 14 months ago. Got promoted without that as well. <laughs> a long time. It is indeed. Well, I, I was just made to eat humble pie anyway, so I'll take a big <laughs> slice there. <laughs> talk, talking of humble pie, so I'm pretty sure. Sorry, I was going to say, speaking of humble pie, I'm pretty sure that I said that uh, you know Schumacher's first win, we beat bloody Birmingham. I don't know what, I don't know what planet I was on earlier. Uh, so, yeah, never mind. Um, one thing I wanted to mention as well, I was looking into the... You, talk, you talked earlier, Laurie, about like Rotherham's home form and that they weren't doing too bad and all that business. Um, <laughs> you know, what's really quite interesting is actually, if you look at the last two home games, they basically have done exactly what we hate. And that is exactly what they've done against probably most teams. So Reading, uh, sorry, Reading, Rotherham versus Middlesbrough, 26th of December, Rotherham won, Middlesbrough nil. Shots, in the match, not on target. It's a shot to the match. Three. Middlesbrough, 20. They got one on target, one goal. Where have we seen that one before? So they did that with 29% possession. So don't do very well. We don't, do we? About breaking teams down who are happy to sit there and just let you have the possession. I mean, Middlesbrough going into that, having 20 shots and having a 71% possession, 668 passes to their 278, and Middlesbrough still lost. I know they're having a bit of a weird season, but that was quite interesting. Now, that was backed up... <laughs> that was backed up with um, a result as well. I just There was one I saw here. Now, it wasn't a, wasn't a win, but if you look at this one as well, 30% possession at home to Sunderland was a 1-1 draw. 13 shots they had that day, so they're actually doing much, much better. They only had four on target, but again, 30% possession. And do you know who scored the goal for Rotherham? Lucas. Lucas, exactly. So he's clearly found a way of uh, of playing. So that's someone who could try and uh, come back and give us a kick up the backside. But I think what I'm trying to get at here is, yeah, Luke, at our place, we demolished them, and we could have had many more, many, many more goals if we wanted to. We we kind of took a foot off the pedal on the on the six. Um, my kind of point here is that I want us to win. I expect us to win, but don't expect a three, four, five goal ramp, rampage. If we go there and we win this one nil, or we win this two one, I don't want bloody fans on Twitter after the game to start bitching and complaining because we've only we've only won by one goal. Rotherham at home on no pushovers. Just remember that, the no pushovers. That's a good point. You know, I mean, look at that. Go back to, I've just got the fixtures in front of me, Laurie. Like, if you keep going I, back, I repeat, I repeat Rotherham 1, Leeds 1. Home. Yep. Rotherham 2, Ipswich 2. Yep. Rotherham 1, QPR 1. Like, at home, mate, the, these are a, a force to... Not a force, I, probably, I think that's a bit too generous, but again, Rotherham 2, Norwich 1. 
they don't. I just don't want Stoke fans to start thinking that this is an easy walkover because it won't be an easy walkover. Yet we should be confident of winning it. A draw is not no. All fans. Uh, you know what our fans are like, though. Uh, they they can be toxic, particularly at home. The away fans are better. We all know that. Um, that they'll always get behind the team and give it a go. But we know that it's a banana skin. And uh, as you've rightfully said, they they set their stall out very well at home and uh, and they're going to be difficult to beat. I think it's all about who gets the first goal. Like if, if it seems the nose have, have come on stuck there this season. Yeah. And and we've we've done well in away matches recently by by getting getting a first half goal. Um perhaps not always building on it, but uh, I think it 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 sends a a strong message out getting that first goal. And but we've been far more attacking in in recent weeks, and I think the fans have enjoyed that more. And uh, I think mm. he, I'm pretty sure his Schumacher, Schumacher's last game was was it against Rotherham, yeah, um, before he switched over. So he's played them in the last month, so he knows what he's going to get from them. So hopefully he can set up accordingly. Yeah, he he should know what he's dealing with, and uh, yeah, I just it's something just to be just to be aware of, uh, kind of going into the game. So I was speaking to the the Rotherham guys earlier, and I, I think they were backing themselves for a win. And I mean, you can't blame them. I, mean, I said the same. Look, I'm gonna. I said I, I was gonna go for a two one win. I can't go onto a podcast uh, opposition podcast and predict a loss. Kind of uh, neither would I. I mean, we you know we do we do need some more points on the board. And I think that despite how difficult it absolutely will be, we do need to try and get a win from this one. But like I said, Ipswich have struggled. Other teams have struggled who have been up there all season. So we'll we'll see how this one goes. Um, it's interesting to note as well that we mentioned that game Plymouth and yeah, beating them three two. Daniel Ayala got sent off in the fifty fifth minute for Rotherham. Rotherham then scored to to equalise, make it two two, and it needed Morgan Whitaker in the ninety sixth minute to win that game against ten man Rotherham. So Stephen Schumacher will, I think, if anything, that he won't take them lightly because of that match. Do you know what I mean? It's not as if he's he was in charge for the, the you know four one and six one that we had earlier on the season. He'll be he will then quite so yeah, they give me a good game there and you know, I know that I know what they're capable of and I think he'll make sure that our lads are fully on board with the task that's in front of them. And I think um, as well we we've sold out the away end as well, if I'm not mistaken, haven't we? Always do, don't we? Most of the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we we I mean we it's easy for us to remember. So we've got some of the best away fans in the league. I think we I think we absolutely are. But I think the I think Championship football's got some fantastic away fans. I think just to say we're the best is is definitely wrong. I think we we we've just got a very loyal following, haven't we? Yeah, loud and proud. Um, absolutely, every step along I, the way. <laughs> can I just do a public service announcement, please, before we go any further? Um, is it? Would you like one of my uh, lint truffle chocolates that I'm munching on now? Is that is that the announcement? Yeah. No. No. Okay. <laughs> um, Sam Clucas, please, 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 do not boo that man. <laughs> you know what happens if you wind him up. 
he get if he get really by if he he's been very complimentary about Stoke since he left. He said he didn't want to leave. He's enjoyed his time here. He's got no animosity towards us. Do not give him a reason to get himself wound up because how many times have we benefited from him scoring against a Swansea or a Hull? You know, teams who he left under a cloud who, who, who you know, um, give him some stick and he really, really enjoyed, you know, he had his, his um, celebrations all planned and everything. And you know, he knew exactly what he was going to do and he went in and scored numerous times, didn't he, against both of them. Let's not full, be that uh, Full pitch runs, won it? Full pitch Let's runs, not be celebrate that in front of the fans. Exactly. I've got, <laughs> I've got in my notes... Underlined twice, Lucas picked up form in the last two weeks. Yeah, he scored uh, a cracking volume uh, the week. Scored an assisted one as well in the last couple of games, I believe. And yeah, yeah it, it's it is um, booing at your peril, and it, he's probably seen that Stoke game cropping up, and he's thought, yeah, right, um, form needs to. I need to step up now, and. Uh, I hate it. I can almost picture it in my head. Um, the ball drops down on on the edge of the box on Saturday, and and he cracks one in, and it would sicken me, absolutely sicken me to see it. But is it is it in the stars? Hopefully, we're three nil up by then, so it won't matter. But um, yeah, I really hope that that doesn't happen. Well, I think I think what you said earlier, Larry. We we need to score first. We cannot let them score and sit back, which they will very happily do. And by the sounds of it, they're very good at it. So we absolutely need to get that first goal. Easier said than done, because again, no, they don't concede an awful lot at home. So I think we couldn't have given them any more respect on this part if we tried, I don't think. like They deserve it in terms of their home form. It's, I don't think it's going to be enough to keep them up, unfortunately. But um, yeah, look, it's uh, it's they're always nice to play against uh, because at least, you know, once a season, you're definitely going to beat them. I suppose we've at least got that. So um, team-wise... On, on the thing of Klukas, can you imagine that? You know, they do the pre-match handshakes mm-hmm. and... Uh, if, if obviously he might, have had, he might have had players who he didn't get on with at Stoke or whatever, but they'll all be walking down the line where they're shaking hands and he'll be like, don't know him, don't know him, don't know him, don't know him, don't know him. Who's the, man, the manager? Don't, oh, yeah, I hate that man. Oh, no, it's not him either. Don't know him. <laughs> I'm sure we're playing Stoke today. <laughs> I don't know any of these guys. I only left six months ago. <laughs> Yeah, I would have said anyone left. I don't know. I don't know. Will, I'm sure Wilmot might be the only one playing. I was thinking that. Was only Wilmot comes to mind that could have remotely played with him. But Baker, mate. Baker maybe Baker, plays. yeah. Mm. Yeah, try, uh, yeah, six months is a long time at this bloody club. Um, <laughs> anyway, Would you like some injury news? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. We'll go with that and then we'll go with teams. Yes, so obviously this is all stolen from Pete Smith's wonderful article on the Sentinel that I spied. He he did a roundup of all the injured players. So thank you, Pete. Anyone who wants to go see more in depth, go and have a I'll go and have a look online there. We'll give him a little plug as a thank you. Um so Kyron Clark, Medi Laris, Ben Pierce, and Tyrus Campbell are all backed this week. Hoorah. So, yes, Larice is fine. He was just taking us precaution. Ben Pearson is back. Tyrese Campbell's been training since before the Brighton game. 
and Clark, like I said at the start, is just a back spasm. So he, they will all be available. Uh, Josh Loren is out until February with a sprained ankle. Um, Ender Stevens is going to be back training this week, so maybe a wait for next week. Uh, Lyndon Gooch should be back for Birmingham. He they thought it was a cramp, it turned out he injured his calf on Boxing Day against Birmingham when he came off. Uh, the one I'm, I have not seen anything about is Matthew is Matthew is Michael Rose. Obviously, he came off didn't he against Brighton. Uh, didn't look too good, so it'd be interesting to see whether he's available this weekend. So yes. Um, but yeah, got a few a few people back, a few interesting ones back as well. Good. Well, you've probably, I mean, you've changed my team straight away with that news of money. So I'm going to have to try and do this on the fly now. Um, <laughs> so I'm going the normal four-two-three-one type formation. Uh, Henry at right back, Wilmot McNally, uh, the two centre backs, and Liam McCarran at left back. We're then going um, Pearson and Berger. Obviously, they're in the middle, and then we've got Haxabanovich, John Ho, and Tyrese Campbell on the right. I don't think Larice has been good enough in recent times, so I think Tyrese is, is going to have a chance to, to try and show us something. Uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, part of my head is going, he's not going to start him, but still, I'll, I'll go with Tyrese. And obviously, no, no Brenner, who's up front. It's Ryan May, of course. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting to to see to see what happens with with those players coming back. I think I'm I'm glad to hear that Stevens is going to be back soon. I do still think we need a bit of experience there, and he's obviously quite natural. So, but yeah, I could I could see him easily starting with Larissa on the right, which is what I originally had. But I want to see uh, I want to see Ty back. Uh, Laurie, what's your team looking like? Yeah. Um... Same goalkeeper, Henry right back. Uh, I assume Rose is, is okay. I'm going to drop McNally because he did my head in last week. He doesn't usually, but he absolutely annoyed the hell out of me. So McNally's dropped. Rose, Wilmot, centre-halves. I put Jordan Thompson at full-back. I don't think we've got a lot of options there, which is a difficult one. And Gooch still isn't fit, so he'll have to slide in. Uh, two, two in front of the the back four. I put Baker and Berger, although Baker would be a little bit more advanced. Um, ahead of them would be uh, Vidigal, Haksavanovic, um, and then kind of a. I could flip a coin. I'll give Kundal a game, or 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 Bay would would be in there. And, you know, you could go for either one of those with uh, Ryan Meyer at nine. So. Yeah, few few changes from yours, Mike, but uh, I think the foundations are there. There's a fair point. I mean, the reason I left Kundalar, by the way, is I, th- I think they very well be a bit more physical. And, and I talked about you know the the stature of, of Kundal. I'm I'm just not convinced that this is the right game for him to come straight into, especially if you know he's he's only had what one or two training sessions. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I could see I could see Juno being dropped for him absolutely. But that that's the only reason you I've could, come for Spain. No, it's a fair point. I, I think if you're going to make comparisons from what I've seen so far of Kundal, it's, it's going to be a toss-up between him and Bay. Um, they've kind of got similar attributes. They're quite dynamic. They're quite uh, direct. And, and 
both of them are fairly lightweight, I, I feel, in my opinion. So you wouldn't swap him for Baker and you wouldn't swap him for Berger. And you'd certainly, if you've got Pearson um, in there as well, you wouldn't swap him there. So it, it would have to be for Bay, really. Sound. Uh, Dan, any major changes to what we mentioned? Um, obviously, he's in goal. I've got Henry. I'm going to put McNally and Wilmot as centre halves, and then Thompson at left back. So, same back four as Laurie. I'm going to have McNally on the right hand side, though, because um, Jordan Hugill has won more aerial duels than anyone in the league. So, they obviously they knock it long, don't they? they knock it into him, and he's winning a lot of flick ons, winning a lot of, you know, bringing it down a chest, whatever, winning a lot of headers. And I think McNally's shown that one thing, you know, I've, you know, did lay into a bit earlier on, but one thing he has shown me in recent weeks is that he likes a bit of needle. I think there was the, the Watford one that he got, you know, he ended up getting um, the guy sent off there. Um, and I think he enjoys a bit of a battle with somebody. And I think that's exactly what he's going to get with Hugo. Um, I think he's, he is decent in the air and stuff. So we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be able to hold his own there, and like I say, he'll be able, he'll he'll enjoy sort of you know the to and froing of a, a battle against a big strong number nine, as Jordan Hugel is, um, and then you've got Wilmot to left of him, and then Henry, of course, will be to the right. So any second balls there, um, you know, neither Wilmot nor Hoover are exactly slow, are they? Especially Henry, you know, he's got a lot of pace, so he can get around and pick up anything loose that comes off off there. Make sure we win the second balls. Uh, midfield, Berger with Baker and Condal in front of them. I've got Vidigal out on the right, Jono out on the left, and Ryan May up front. Uh, I didn't enjoy Jono out wide at first, but I think the last couple of games he's played there, he's now starting to learn and he's adapted to the position. I think he's starting now to flourish in the wide areas. I think he ran down a few too many rabbit holes initially. You know, got himself boxed into areas and and got himself. You know, didn't really know what to do. Whereas I think he's learning. He's learning really quick. Um, and yeah, I think he's been promising the last couple of times he's played out wide. So I'm more than happy for him to play on the left. Like I say, Vinegar on the right. My, um, but yeah, my bench is stacked. By the way, <clears throat> got like Bonham, Pearson, Johnson, Larice, Campbell, Clark, Wesley, Haksabanovic, and Liam McCarran. So. There's options galore there, covers all kind of positions. Um, I didn't put McCarran on because I just thought with the Hugo thing as well, I just thought he could, um, with the Hugo thing as well, he could like target McCarran out, he could do drift on that left hand side, and we do not want that. Okay, fair enough, good team, yeah, I like it. Um, sounds well. Before I ask you for your, in fact, no, I'm going to ask you now, so you can't cheat. Uh, score predictions, boys. I'm going to go for a two-one Stoke win. I think we'll, I think we'll go one 0 up, then two 0 up, and I think they will keep it, keep pushing us and pushing us, having to being forced to come out and and go at the game. I think we'll get one back and we'll hold on. Uh, but yeah, two-one win for me. Uh, Dan, what are you going for? I had written down two one, so it looks like I'm going to have to change it. <laughs> um, I will say three one then. Okay, confident, uh, Laurie. 
a very scrappy 1-0 Stoke win. Yeah, good shout. I think it'll be scrappy. Um, all right, lovely. Well, two bits of audio for you now, Mr. Ever Reliable, Mr. Graham McGarry, and of course, our friends from Rotherham. So, Saturday's obviously a big game for us. You can look at our position in the tail, I think seven points adrift at the moment. Um, that has come down since, since Lynn Richardson coming with. There's been a step up in performances, uh, much more solid than we were in, the, in under Matt Taylor. Uh, there's a sort of a clear and organised plan, if that sort of makes sense. Um, our home games are, are crucial. You know, our, if you, our away record's 29 games without a win or something stupid like that. So that tells you how important our home games are against anybody. You know, we, we've took we've taken points of Ipswich and, and Leeds so far this season. Um, and we've, we've beat, beat some good teams. So we're, we're not t- to be underestimated at home. Uh, but... <laughs> It's going to be every every game for us is is tough. Obviously, Stoke have picked up recently under under the new appointment, as you as you'd expect with the new appointments. Sort of similar to us, it's picked up. Um, so <laughs> not for us the best time to be playing Stoke, but you got to play every twice, I suppose, well three times in our case. Uh, you'll see definitely see a different Rotherham to what you saw in August for both for both the league and cup games. Um, we've stopped. Stop giving away stupid goals and tightened up significantly. A threat at home is is there. It's real, you know. It's, it's a much tighter place. The fans can get on top of it. So if the atmosphere sort of turns in our favour, it, it does. It, we have seen this season. It sort of pushes the players on a little bit. Um, so it's it, it's a big game. You know, if we win, we can put that gap down to down to four points, which sounds you know that's, that's that sounds that sounds doable. If we lose. It's at least seven points, potentially up to ten points. So it's it's a massive game at this stage of the season. Where we're in a stage of the season where every game is massive. You know what I mean? We are, we are, we we don't have that chance to to lose three or four more games in a row or whatever. We we we're on the middle of a three game unbeaten run in the league, and we lost in the FA Cup away at Fulham. So we're we're on a, a mini unbeaten run, um, which is the which is the best we've had so far this season. So there is something happening, and it needs to happen quickly. So far. I don't know if we have any new signs in by Saturday. That's, un- that's, that's unclear at the moment. Ho- I think the hope is we're getting some defenders because we've got one fit centre half at the moment, um, which is Sean Morrison, who is a good defender, but he's not got the pace, which could cause us a problem Saturday uh, potentially. Um, we've got to pick something up. If we lose, then it's it's not a nail in the coffin. This season it's only January, but it makes things so much more difficult for us to to keep bridging that gap. We want to bring that back gap, gap down. Even if it's only a point a game or that kind of thing, we need to keep bringing that that points gap down. And like I mentioned earlier, this our home form is absolutely vital with the away for we away with the away form as it is. So I am positive. I'll go if I had to predict now. I would go two one to us. I'm not going to keep a clean sheet. I don't think. Although we have improved defensively, I think it's unlikely they're going to keep a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we can uh, give Stephen Schumacher his, his first league defeat. Hopefully. So here we go again, you Potter's predictors. We're back to Championship football after taking on Premier League side Brighton last weekend in the FA Cup. Didn't get the result that you would have liked, but you put in a decent performance and that'll give you a lot of confidence going into these next set of Championship fixtures. Starting, of course, with a trip to Rotherham United. Bit of a match between the new managers because Rotherham United have just employed a new manager in the last few weeks, as we know. So City now under the guidance of Steven Schumacher and there are signs that things are coming together for Schumacher and his managerial team and this will be a fixture that they surely will be 
pointing the finger at that they should be bringing back three points from South Yorkshire. And that's what I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for a clean sheet as well for Stoke City and likely to be their new goalkeeper playing his first game in the league, having played last week in the Cup. So a clean sheet for Iverson, a clean sheet for Schumacher, the team and the fans, and two goals to be scored away from home. Rather nil, Stoke 2. Lovely. Cheers, Alex. Much appreciated. Uh, so, yeah, Graham's gone for a, a 2 0 win. So, uh, Graham's feeling confident as well. So, thanks to thanks to Graham. And, and like I said, some good insights as always uh, from Rotherham. So, we'll see you boys um, for our. Well, hopefully, we'll see you next season. You, ne- you never know. Okay. Um, so, Super Six. Now, this. I, I, just, I know what, Dan? You should be ashamed of yourself, right? You, you were ahead of me for so long. And I've just. I've won every single week for the last three or four weeks now, and I'm going to milk it and rub it in as much as I can because I know it's going to be short-lived probably. Although I did beat you last season as well. Uh, So I got 13 points this round. Um, Dan, I think you may have got 10 points, I think, last time I was looking, or 12. I'm sorry, I haven't actually got in front of me now. Oh, yeah, you got 11. I'm right in the middle. I got wrong all all the way around. So you got 11 points. Now, uh, finishing top this week was Paul Nanji with 18 and there was an absolute uh, rook of people on 15. Paul Hurd, Joe Thompson, Paul Wright, Charlie Craven, Nicholas Yates, Rob Heath, Charlie Bester, and Adam Flint. Not Aidan Flint, that's Adam Flint. All on 15. Uh, so really good really good job for you. Uh, I haven't got your your yearly one, Dan. It's very difficult to try and find that sometimes. I'm actually sitting in 42nd with 231 points. So not too bad, actually. Um, actually, um, I do. You got two twenty, have you? Yeah, sixty fourth, two twenty. Sixty fourth. Okay, well, mate, there's there's nothing in that. Absolutely nothing. It's what it's it's eleven. Yeah, it's eleven points in it, something like that. So I can't remember what I said I had now. Uh, but yeah, e- either way, it's it's one good week. <laughs> as much as I uh, joke and and whatnot and give you a bit of a dig, like, it's one week of of me messing up and you doing really well. So it's never been massively out. In fairness to you. Um, Gaffer, have you looked at your Gaffer recently? Uh, I I need to look at my team, see if I need to make any changes, especially with the Afcon coming on. Um, yeah, that starts this week, doesn't it? But there's no update on Gaffer because with it being FA Cup last week, there's been no Championship games to play. Mm, thought you'd say that. Yeah. Okay. No worries. Well, never mind. Right. Um, who am I? No, you can't say Michael Stockley because that that's just cheating. That's not that's normally my line to you, that is, Dan. Um, yeah, now, just for a bit of... Comi- <laughs> 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 um, just for a bit of comedic value, by the way. Now, this never made it into the final cut the other week, but I thought I'm going to call myself out here, right? Now, we all love technology. We all love AI. It's fantastic. Um, so I did a Who Am I the other week, and <laughs> quite, quite funnily, and I, I'm just smiling as I'm saying it. So I asked ChatGPT, to give me basically a who am I for Stoke? I asked it to name me a player between 1990 and 2000, I think it was. And basically, yeah, it's come up with uh, like proper war and peace, you know, background, goals, appearances, you know, a new story, all this business. It's given me a load of stats. I've basically done it with Dan. Dan's given me an answer. Could never get there. Couldn't get any of the five. Turns out the player doesn't even exist. Basically, ChatGPT had made up the entire lot. It had given fake news stories to back up the crap that it was spouting. Um, 
Technology is great, but we were in stitches, weren't we, Dan? It was so funny. I was like, I do not remember this guy. Is it Simon Preston? Simon Preston, yeah. I don't remember Simon Preston. So you're checking him on every platform? We were like, we, we was like, Dan, it's Simon Preston. I was like, have you ever heard of this guy? Because I haven't. It was like, no, no. I was like, look, Dan, I'll show you the, the chat. He's given me his stats. He's given me three articles listing to all this stuff. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Um, it was like so, in the 1997, 1997, 98. I'm like, unfortunately, the painful memories of that season are like etched into my memory. It's hard, isn't it? The, I was like, I do not remember a guy. He, he, he played for Celtic. I was going to say, who we have for Celtic? Cost that Honestly. much money? Oof, that's a bit. Justin Whittle played for Celtic, but I don't think he was. I don't think he got 32 Scotland caps. He was English for a start. <laughs> oh, it was. It was, you know, hilarious. Honestly, it was it was so good. Here you go. In fact, I've got it in front of me now. We're going off on a tangent here, but I don't care. It's our podcast. Uh, so, yeah, um, the the information it gave me was he was born in Glasgow on the 10th of March 1972, played as a defender and scored four goals in 97 appearances for Stoke. He joined Stoke from Celtic in 1996 and left for Sheffield Wednesday in 1999. He also played for Scotland national team, earning 36 caps and scoring three goals. His initials are SP. And Simon Preston. Now, Luke, if this person exists and me and Dan have just been a complete brain dead and not got it, um, or that is actually somebody else's stats that you know of and they've just ripped off his name and changed the name, I'd love to know. But how I was really impressed, actually, by how it's managed to make up so much crap. Um but yeah, I almost kept it in the edit and I was like, no, I just I just I'm not gonna waste people's time with it, but I just thought it was funny to to let you know. We've got a special <laughs> plan for the summer, haven't we? Because we're gonna we're gonna hit two hundred episodes in the summer. So we'll do like a little bit of a compilation kind of things and maybe there's gonna be a few things that didn't hit that were maybe haven't been sent out for various reasons. Um mainly my cat making noises or dogs barking, probably. Um, yeah, if you ever hear Luke that... snoring in the background, it's not Dan falling asleep. It's actually his dogs snoring. Now, we we try and edit it out as much as we can, but it's not always possible, <laughs> is it? Uh, and there's, there's other bits where we've been singing, uh, the little bits we've said something wrong. And uh, Honestly, it, we do we try and keep this as natural as possible. We don't like editing stuff out hardly ever, but some things just, um, yeah, you just can't keep well, them in. make great for a bloopers reel on that, and that is going to be where you will fully hear that. Who am I? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely will. Can we, um, can we put in lots of Johnny's battle cries as well from our WhatsApp group, please? Uh, oh, I absolutely, think, yeah. And Johnny, I know, could, I know you do listen so to this and stuff. Like Johnny, just send us the. Um, Still send us the audios, mate. I love them little battle cries. We'll get them into the pod as well. But yeah, Johnny's Johnny's great. Anyway, uh, a very long, long build up to the actual. <laughs> uh, who am I now? This person I know does, does exist, um, and Mr. Wikipedia best not let me down. Right, I think Dan, you will probably get this quite quickly. So if you don't mind, I'm going to use this almost like a. He wants to be a millionaire. Phone a friend, Laurie. I'm going to come to you. And you can only your one life is Dan because I do think he's he's going to get this. I think you will get it as well, but I think he will. 
So okay. are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, far away. Let's let's roll the dice. Great. Okay, I reckon you'll get this pretty much straight away. Um, I'm a Scottish football coach. Uh, I played mainly in midfield, collecting a career total of 181 appearances. Okay. Um, I'll keep going until you interrupt me, so that's fine. Don't worry about sorry, it. Sorry, the first Scottish, one's quite Scottish, Scottish coach. football coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll keep going. Next. My debut for Stoke was in the Potteries Derby against Port Vale in a nil-nil draw at Vale Park. Okay. New Stoke manager Lou McCarry moved me into the defence in 91-92, where I played in 57 matches, including in the 1992 Associate Members' Cup final. Stoke beat Stockport County 1-0. Scottish coach. The Papa John's LDV auto windscreen, auto shield. We've <laughs> you know this, don't you, Dan? Times. Um, Dan, without giving it away, Dan, you know this, don't you? I'm str- that's a little bit before my time. Yeah, I've got a couple of okay. names that it could be, but I'm okay. Well, not, I think these I'm really two scratching will, will my head away. here. Is these, these am I going to be annoyed? Am I going to be annoyed that we'll I've got this um, wrong? This this is where it's made a complete cock up, and I'm going to edit it out of the pod entirely. But let's see. Uh, after retiring as a professional player, I joined the coaching staff of Stoke City and was appointed as first team coach in 2001. I became the club's caretaker manager after Steve Cottrell resigned on the 10th of October 2002. Caretaker. What are you thinking? Got I'm a surname. I've got a surname in, but I'm not sure. Um, I'll give you a surname if you get it. Does it begin with K? It does. Kevin. Dave Kevin, correct. Uh, The final clue was I played only one First Division game in 93-94 season, went on to end my playing career with a single Second Division appearance as a Bournemouth player under the stewardship of rookie manager Tony Pulis. Hmm. Yeah, and he uh, kind of stuck like glue to, to Mr. Pulis, I think, from pretty much there on end, didn't he? So, um, but yeah, I think you should get away from Quitteral. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a farce that one was. Um, so, Dan, were you feeling quite confident? What At what point would you have been able to guess Dave Kevin there? The, the caretaker one was definitely like the point where I knew, I knew it was him. Um, but it was the, the clue before was where he his name sort of popped into my head as a possibility. Okay, good. Yeah, good. I also had like then there was um, I didn't know whether uh, what's his name Clarkson was there that early because I know mm. he was defender, but I don't think he was quite at Stoke that early. I was thinking of all the defenders. I'm like John Butler. I think he was English. Ian Cranston was English. Vince Overton was English, Lee Stanford was English. I'm like, where the Scottish one? <laughs> yeah, caretaker. That that was where I was I was thinking. Yeah. 
Good. Okay, nice one. Um, Daniel, we're at an hour and 41 minutes. Do you want to have any other quizzes in there? I know you've probably got some prepared, or would you like right. to save it? You can very quickly tell me the Six Towns Challenge. The, obviously, Stoke City's current manager, Stephen Schumacher, has made his first signings, hasn't he now? But can you tell me the last six Stoke managers who their first signing was? So I will give you the managers. It is Alex Neal, Michael O'Neill, Nathan Jones, Gary Rowett, Paul Lambert and Mark Hughes. Perhaps if I'm not in, buddy, on uh, mute, doesn't it? Okay. Well, if I remember rightly... Oh, my God, I'm getting... Oh, no, no. What a question. No, I've, I've, I think I might be right. I think I'm just second-guessing second myself. I, I always do this. Was the first Michael O'Neill signing Jordan Thompson, Dan? It was. £1.5 million from Blackpool, 17th of January 2020. He was then followed by Tasha and Oakley Booth and James Chester before the end of January. Perfect. And that means I know Mark Hughes because I remember, I think, the first game that this person had uh, put it on a, it was basically a full-back to full-back kind of goal, which we never normally did, and we did it in the first friendly, if I'm not mistaken. So Mark Hughes would have been Eric Peters. It was. So it's sort of a cheating one because I think the, the club had already like got most of the deal done. Um, but yes, he was signed just after Mark Hughes took charge. 28th of June, 2013, £3 million from PSV, Eric Peters. Uh, Mark Moniesa then joined four days later. And then there was a massive gap right the way through from the beginning of July until the last week of the transfer window when we signed Usama Asaidi, Stephen Island, and a certain Marco Arnautovic. Very nice. Uh, who were the other managers? Sorry, I can't remember which ones you said. Uh, Paul Lambeth, Gary oh, Rowe, and Nathan Jones and Alex Neal. Okay. Which, um, uh, Laurie? Mike, for, mm -hmm. for Rowe, could it have been Benek Afobe? That seemed to be pretty early on, I believe. I just I remember as I remember as chasing him for a little while, and a bit of back and forward on it. I'm just trying to think. Was he? Was it the first one? Um, I mean, how many lives have we got, Dan? Two. Okay, two lives. Uh, they're gonna go quickly then. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the upgrade. Okay. So I think, look, he was definitely in the first couple uh, because he, it was him. He signed a clean. He signed a phobie. And there was a, there was a couple more. Of course, there was. Uh, so go, go with the phobie. I can't well. remember the order. So go, go, go with the phobie, Dan. No, this person was signed on the 11th of June 2018. Benny Kofobi joined on the 12th of June 2018, one day later. Uh, there was then a three-week gap until we got some real, uh, you know, the next summer signing came in. And then obviously it was a busy July from there. Um, if I told you he cost £6.35 million, pounds, would that Um help? Oh, wasn't Klukas around that? 
We didn't spend that much that much money on him, though, did we? We signed him, and then we got to watch him before he played for Stoke. Was it? Oh, was it Ryan Woods? No, no, hold on. Think, no, no, it can't be. So the summer of 2018, there was an event on where we got to watch this player play. Oh, was it Ep- Etebo? It was Peter Etebo. Etebo. Yeah, because yeah, I remember we signed um... Nigeria. Yeah, he signed. What's his face? Didn't he? Um, Ryan Woods, I think, was was about that price when he first came. Ryan Woods looked incredibly yeah. good. But okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. uh, Who do we need? We... So you have got Paul Lambert, who only made two signings, but I think this guy, he, it's oh. very like he's completely like the memory of him um, is just gone. Like when I saw his name, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot you existed. <laughs> was it? Um, one of them was Moritz Bauer, wasn't it? Now, Mike. Bauer signed without a manager. He signed ah, before okay. Lambert was unveiled. Which led so, me to believe that Stoke maybe have been doing this model of not giving the manager complete control for a while. <laughs> we didn't have one and we were signing players. Well, I'll give you the one that I think I know from Alex Neal's reign. Um <sighs> You see, there was there was a number of loans. I'm trying to remember the order because he signed. It was Henry. He, he signed Sarkic. Was oh, I'm going to go Sarkic? I think he came first. I think, but I could be yeah. very wrong on that. So Alex Neal obviously took over in in August. We then went till the 25th of January before he made a signing. And that was Matthias Sarkic on yeah. loan for Wolves. We then went and signed five players in six days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kiana was one of them once. And uh, what's his face? He didn't really do it very well. Uh, Selena. Selena. Oh, yes. Yeah, whatever happened to him. Who knows? I mean, Paul was... Lambert. I'm, I'm, str- I'm struggling for Lambert. Right, Lambert. And I was was in that season, wasn't it? Badu and I. He was. But was he the first one of the two? Or was there a loan? I mean, we wouldn't have let him spend any money, so it must have been a loan, surely. Uh, from oh actually no actually no 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 I I've got a feeling you're right wasn't wasn't and I it was before him though I swear it was before him because it, in terms of he was he was seen before him it wasn't Lambert signing this guy wasn't this one of the the people that was like a I don't know what what the word is um he was carried over from the prime manager. I, I'd say go with and die because I think you're right. I think he did. I think he does did sign and die, but I don't think it was necessarily back. his decision. No, there was a fullback. Laurie, Laurie's along the right lines. Uh, die did sign, oh, right. but he was deadline yeah. day. The fullback. I've, I completely forgot he existed. I, 
I think I think I know Mike. Mm, yes. Um, it was Staphylidis, right, wasn't it? Staphylidis. Yes. God, yeah. And it, it's a good clue, Dan. He well, didn't even... <laughs> fans didn't even know. Wouldn't even um, seen him walk in the door or out. Do, do you know what? Can I just rewind a bit as well with Alex Neal? Mm-hmm. I said Matthias Sarkic, and I got Matthias Sarkic written down here. I completely forgot that we sacked a manager before we even finished the first month of the season. <laughs> um, and Dujon Sterling signed on the 1st of September. Sterling came in. Yeah, Sterling came in before, well, after Neil had been appointed. Um, something that completely... I, I only went, I went straight to January when I was looking for the answers for this because I completely forgot that it was actually we'd sacked and appointed a manager within the first month of the season. <laughs> People are throwing bloody hobnobs and you yeah. know everything at this at their speakers and TV screens and stuff now, mate. What's, what are you doing? Know. You don't see me making mistakes on, on quizzes, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Dan's given us about six lives in this quiz, and we're, we're it's all it, it. it's all for fun. We'll take it. <laughs> Anyway, Nathan so Jones. Got all, got all of them there, Dan. Nathan Jones. Oh, a time, Jones. a time you would love to forget. Oh, surely, surely Nick Powell. <laughs> he likes to claim Nick Powell wherever he can, doesn't he? Well, Nathan Jones joined Stoke on the 9th of January 2019, if that helps. And he made three signings that January. One of them, without setting foot on the pitch for Stoke has made quite a um, quite a opinionate being quite opinionated about the club and then there's two more well i can think of a number that he's he's had but the the whole vocal about the club's the interesting bit i would um, as for your answer i would just leave that. That was just a point on one of the players we signed in January. I'd move oh, right, towards okay. the other two. Okay. Um, did sign a number of players, any? I mean, I remember. Oh, he signed Danny Bart. I remember that. Was Liam Lindsay was one. Liam Lindsay. Keeper Adam Davis, I rated him as well. It's just when they signed, isn't it? I swear though, wasn't the likes of Powell and Lindsay and Co in the summer? Um, actually, that's a probably good point because if they were, then I guess my January, my January conversation around um, Danny Bart's probably not going to be right, is it? That's going to be well, Nathan Jones joined. Nathan joined yeah, Nathan Jones joined Stoke. <laughs> That's a bit of a tongue twister. On the 9th of January. Oh, okay then. Well yeah, it's gotta be Danny Bart then. So the three signings were Ryan Corrigan, left back from Manchester City, who then left Stoke and then complained implicitly about how crap they are. Oh yes, um, yeah. Yes. Sam Vokes and Danny Bart. 
the first one of those three on the 29th of January was Danny Bart. Well done. Yay. Three million quid, <laughs> followed by nine million pounds Sam votes in. and Corrigan. <laughs> Nine million, Nine million votes, Jesus Christ. Votes. We wonder why we had FFP struggles. Good old Moxie. Yep. I think we got three million worth of value out of Danny Plot, in fairness. I know he wasn't a, a, a world beater, but I think we got some value out of him, at the very least. Yeah. Do you think we got nine okay. quid's worth of stand votes? <laughs> nine pound fifty worth, maybe. <laughs> Not flipping nine million. Never forgive him for that Cardiff pen miss. No, I mean, I like Chubb. We got a lot of value out of Charlie Adam. We'll never forgive him for the Brighton miss either. Um, Brighton have haunted us a lot, haven't they? Yeah, we haven't had a good record against them, have we, recently? No. It costs us a lot. Um, Anyway, it's been a long pod. Uh, We'll probably wrap it up. So, uh, Laurie, Dan, thanks to both of you for joining us, as always. Uh, We'll no doubt head into Rotherham now, seeking our... um, I would much deserve three points. You know, Shuey's made a lot of positive changes. We've seen some of that. We hope to then go and finally get our away win uh, again under Shuey to, to back up the Birmingham away win. Um, boys, hopefully you've enjoyed it and, uh, yeah, had a bit of a laugh with the quiz. I think we did pretty well there. After all the lives and your massive help, Mike, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I was pitching in too much, but well played. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, that pretty much says nothing else then. So, uh, guys, have a really good weekend. We'll look forward to three points. Everybody, enjoy your weekends as well, and we'll see you soon. Go on, Stoke. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.